Brilliant. Do, um, do keep that uh, bit of Matthew's gospel open in front of you. Uh, kids, there's hopefully a, a sheet that you found that's got some questions and things. Do feel free to, to quietly chat with mum or dad or whoever you're with uh, as we go through the sermon this morning, if that helps, uh, just to talk about the questions on that sheet uh, that will help you to hear what God is saying through his word this morning. And it's been really brilliant, hasn't it, to, to hear and to watch as Simon, Bill and Karen have been baptised this morning. Uh, it, it's amazing to see how God has worked through uh, their lives in different situations, in different ways, to bring them to this point this morning. Uh, different stories, different experiences. But I hope that you've seen as you've uh, even just briefly listened to them and as you've read in those booklets, that despite all those differences... Uh, they all believe the same truth. Uh, All of them have uh, declared this morning that they believe the gospel, uh, the good news that Jesus Christ has died for their sin and that through faith in him they have been forgiven, they've been made right with God. Uh, So far this morning we've heard a lot about what Christians believe. Uh, But for the next little bit of time, I want to think about what, if anything, does the Bible say about how Christians should feel? In other words, is Christianity just a a set of truths, some beliefs that we hold to, that we know in our head, and and that's about it? Or do those truths have an effect, an impact on our feelings, on on our emotions? Uh, To help us think about those questions and others like them, as Danny's already said, we're beginning a new series this morning looking specifically at what Jesus has to say to our emotions. Because there are all sorts of books and blogs and podcasts and classes that will give you all sorts of advice on this topic, on the topic of emotions. But unsurprisingly, I think the best place to go, the the best person for us to listen to, is the one who gave us our feelings in the first place. Jesus, as we've already heard this morning, is fully God. He is the, the giver of life. And so he is the best person to go to if we want to understand how that life works, what it should feel like. But more than that, Jesus is also fully man. He walked and talked and lived life on this earth. And that means he experienced the full range of human emotions. From anger to compassion, from grief to joy, Jesus felt the things we feel. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to listen as Jesus talks about our emotions. We're going to see what difference being a Christian makes, not just to what we know, but to what we feel. And we're going to begin that this morning by listening to what Jesus has to say about this feeling of worry. I'm sure that I don't need to convince you that that worry or anxiety is an emotion that, that all of us will experience from time to time. You may have even felt it walking in church this morning. Some of us will feel it in particular situations or around particular people. Some will experience it as a daily reality. And others of us will experience it as a medically diagnosed condition. In other words, there are all sorts of reasons that we might worry. 
And so before we jump into Matthew chapter 6, let me say right at the start, if you are someone here this morning or watching online with a diagnosed anxiety condition, then please do not hear the next 20 or so minutes as just trust Jesus a bit more and all your worries will disappear. Let me be clear, some types of anxiety require medical help. Some need professional support, and those can be good and right things to do. Just as medical help is sometimes needed for physical illness, it is also sometimes needed for mental illness. And so anxiety is an incredibly complex issue, which means there is absolutely no way that that we can talk about and I can say all that could be said about it this morning. But I'm also very aware that most of us don't experience anxiety in that particular way. Most of us here this morning simply experience the day-to-day worries of life. Sometimes those worries are small and frankly just a bit annoying. Sometimes they are big and debilitating. But whatever their size or their intensity, I think all of us experience worry from time to time. Which means the big and important question for us this morning is what do we do with our worries? How should we respond when worry comes? And is there a way to worry less? And that brings us to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, which we've just had read. In Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people like this, uh, and a crowd of people who will have experienced all the same worries that we experience today. Money and materialism, disease and death were just as much concerns for them as they are for us. And so as Jesus speaks to these people facing the day-to-day pressures of life, what does he say to them? We'll look at verse 25. He says... Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry, says Jesus. In fact, he says it three times in our passage this morning. And as he does so, he unpacks exactly how that is possible. How he can stand up and say to an anxious world, do not worry. And I want to notice just two things from what he says this morning. The first is that Jesus reshapes our perspective. Jesus reshapes our perspective. Uh, Look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? I remember back uh, when I was a kid and and I was panicking about something, often my mum would say, stop making a mountain out of a molehill. Now, I I think back to that and and probably thought at the time that she didn't really just grasp the enormity of the situation I was facing as a seven-year-old boy in the playground. But whilst that might have been a a bit of an annoying phrase that that my mum used, there's actually a bit of truth in it, isn't there? So often we worry about things because, well, frankly, we've got our perspective all wrong. We make mountains out of molehills. We take small things and make them really big things in our mind. We saw that at the start of the COVID pandemic, didn't we? 
What do we worry about as a nation? What hit the headlines as the world was falling apart around us? Toilet roll. Toilet roll. That was the big thing. We thought as long as we have enough toilet roll, then we don't need to worry. There's no need to panic. We make small things really big things. But more seriously, even as, even as Christians, we can get this wrong. We can get our perspective wrong. We can worry, can't we, more about what we wear than who we are. We can worry more about followers on Instagram than whether our friends are following Jesus. We can worry more about our kids having a, a perfectly balanced organic diet than whether they're being fed on God's word. And so, as Jesus begins to talk about our worries, he says the first thing you need to do is get the right perspective. He says life is so much about so much more than just food and clothes. Of course, that's not to say those things don't matter. Of course, Jesus knows we need to eat. He's not simply saying he's not saying we don't need those things. He's just saying we need to see them in perspective. We need to realise that that life is bigger than a new pair of trainers or making sure you got your five a day. You don't need to worry about those things, says Jesus, because life is so much more than them and because God will take care of them. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Sometimes people think that that the world is a little bit like a wind-up clock, uh, that God kind of set everything in place, wound it up, and then just set it off. And then from that moment on, it kind of just takes care of itself. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God is actively involved in his creation. Things don't just happen. They happen because God makes them happen. Yes, he, he's woven patterns and systems into his creation, but he is the one who sustains them. God is the one who causes the sun to rise and set each day. He is the one who sends the rain. He is the one who causes plants to grow. And he does all of that because he cares about what he has made. He cares about his creation. God feeds the birds because he made the birds. And he cares about them. And so Jesus says, how much more does he care about you? You who are made in his image. You who are the high point of his creation. I hope you know that you have immense dignity and value simply because you have been made by God. And so whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your experience of life, God cares deeply about you. But more than just caring, God also provides. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? 
Look at the fields, says Jesus. Look at the flowers. Look at, look at the beauty and the splendor and the colors of even the simplest of flowers. If God does all of that for something so temporary, so insignificant, how much more will he do it for you? And we do need to be careful here, don't we? We need to be careful at this point because Jesus is not saying that God always provides everything you need to live a perfectly happy, healthy, long life. Some Christians get cancer. Some Christians are homeless. Some are hungry. The Christian life is not a problem-free life. That's not what Simon, Bill and Karen have signed up for. So what is Jesus saying? I think the big thing he's saying in these verses is that God will provide everything you need to live your life for him. That's what this section of Matthew's Gospel is all about. It's Jesus explaining what life in the kingdom looks like, what it means to live for God as one of his people. And so Jesus says God will never expect something of you in this life and then not give you what you need to do it. And the reason that we can be absolutely sure of that this morning is that God has already provided for our greatest need, the need to be in a right relationship with him. You see, left to ourselves, the Bible says that that each of us are actually deeply selfish, self-centered individuals. Despite the fact that God has made us, despite the fact that he provides for us every single day, Deep down, we want nothing to do with him. Deep down, we want to live life our way without him in the picture. And the Bible says all of that, that selfishness, that, that opposition and rejection of God, that is what the Bible calls sin. And it's our sin that separates us from God. It's our, our sin that means we deserve his right anger and judgment for the way that we've treated him. Sin is the biggest problem that we face today. Sin is the biggest problem that we're going to face tomorrow. And it's sin that Jesus comes to deal with. Wonderfully, we've already heard about it this morning. It is through Jesus' death on the cross that he pays the price our sin deserves. He pays the price of our sin so that we can be forgiven by God. And it's through his resurrection that that Jesus offers new, eternal life to all who put their trust in him. And so you see, in sending Jesus, God has provided the ultimate thing. He has provided for our greatest need, our eternal need. And that means we can trust him for absolutely everything else, for every other need we could ever have in this life. Look at the flowers, says Jesus. Look how God has clothed them. And then remember how much more he has clothed you with forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus. Jesus wants to reshape our perspective. He says, remember how God sees you. Remember how he cares for you. He provides for you. You don't need to worry says Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. 
Because secondly, he also wants to reorientate our hearts. That's the second thing we see. Jesus reorientates our hearts. You see, if, we, if we're not careful, we might hear Jesus' words in Matthew 6 as the kind of Bible version of a kuna matata. Uh, don't worry, uh, just relax. God will take care of everything. You just get on with living life the way you want to live it. Uh, leave the rest to God. That might be what we're tempted to think if we took those verses by themselves. But if we zoom out just a little bit to see what Jesus is saying either side of his words on worry, we can see that that can't be the case. Just look back a little bit uh, to the bit before we just read in verse 19. Verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just before speaking to the crowds about worry, Jesus has been reminding his disciples of the bigger picture, reminding them that this life is not all that there is. Heaven is real, says Jesus. And one day, he says, you will, you will enjoy eternity with God in a world without worry. That's the big picture. That, that's reality. And he says, knowing that, well, that should completely reshape the way you think about your life now. Do you know, one of, the, one of the strange things about worry in the Western world is that on paper, we should have very little to worry about. We're healthier and wealthier than pretty much most of the world's population. We live in an incredibly safe, comfortable, secure society. And yet, rather than worry less, it seems that people in the West worry more. But as strange as that might seem, it actually makes a lot of sense if what Jesus is saying here is true. In verse 19 that we just read, Jesus says, the more that, the more that you store up and accumulate and, and invest in this life, the more you will worry. Why? Because the things of this life are temporary. They're unstable. Of course, Jesus isn't saying that, that things like career or family or possessions are wrong in themselves. Uh, this is not a call to set up and move to a monastery. But he is saying that if we build our lives on these things, if we put all of our hope, all of our trust in them, well, we'll soon discover just how unstable they really are. If COVID has taught us anything, surely it's that life in this world is fragile. And so Jesus says, worry is the natural, logical response to life in this world without God in the picture. Just look across at verse 31. He says, so do not worry saying, what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? For the pagans run after these things. You see, if you live life without God in the picture, if you build your life on fragile, temporary things, then you will worry. In fact, Jesus says you should worry. But that's not the case for those who follow Jesus. 
Because if you're a Christian here this morning, that means you live life with God very much in the picture. That's what Simon and Bill and Karen have done. They've trusted in God's goodness. They've trusted his care and his provision. They've put their faith in the one that knows them and loves them. And as a result, their life has been turned upside down. It's taken on a completely new meaning. Trusting God has reorientated their hearts. It's given them a new focus, a new agenda, a new way of seeing the world. And that's exactly what Jesus says should happen. At verse 33, he says, But seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't go running after the things of this world, says Jesus. Instead, seek or literally run after the kingdom of God. Don't store up treasure here on earth. Don't invest everything in the here and now. Instead, live for the things that will last. Store up treasure in heaven. And so you see, when Jesus says, do not worry, he's not calling us to to close our eyes and forget our problems. No, he's calling us to open our eyes to reality. He wants us to see what what really matters, what's really worth living for. He wants us to run after God's kingdom and to trust our Heavenly Father with the rest. And if you're anything like me this morning, then, then as you hear that, you probably think, well, that's very easy to say. Live for God's kingdom, trust him with the rest. Very easy to say, but but much harder to do. And in fact, I think actually one of the reasons Christians worry sometimes is that we're trying to do two things at once. We can kid ourselves into thinking that it's possible to store up treasure here on earth and treasure in heaven at the same time. Yes, we want to live for Jesus, for for God's kingdom, but we'd also quite like to build our own little kingdom as well. But in verse 24, Jesus says, That's impossible. You you can't do that. You you can't serve two masters. You can't have treasure on earth and treasure in heaven. It just just doesn't work. Uh, Which means when times of worry do come, one question that is worth asking ourselves is this. What do my worries say about the things that I trust in? What do my worries say about the things that I treasure what do my worries reveal about the things that matter most to me? Because Jesus is saying here that our worries, our fears, our anxieties, they reveal our hearts. And so in the end, what we need is, is our hearts to be reorientated towards the things that matter most. Jesus says, look, we will worry less as our hearts learn to treasure God and his kingdom more. We will worry less as our hearts learn to treasure God and his kingdom more. And again, please please don't misunderstand this. This is not meant to be a simplistic answer to a very complicated issue. Jesus is not saying that being a Christian equals a worry-free life. 
But he is saying that when those worries come, and they will come, we need to remember that we have a Father in heaven, a Father who cares deeply for us because he made us. A father who provides everything that we need, who who is in complete control of every single day. A father we can trust. And we have a father who has brought us into his kingdom. Through trusting in Jesus, we, we become part of his kingdom, a kingdom that can never be taken away, never destroyed. A kingdom that won't get old or boring or worn out or disappointing. And so Jesus says, live for that. Stop worrying about treasure on earth. And instead, give your energy, your time, your strength, your passion to living, to running after God's kingdom. Because that is what life is really all about. So give yourself to it. And then trust your heavenly Father with the rest. Let's pray together. Our gracious and loving heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can call you Father. As we've trusted in Jesus, as we've thought about this morning and received new life in him, thank you that you have brought us into your kingdom. That you have turned our lives upside down. Father, please help us. Please help us when worries come for all sorts of reasons to trust you, to turn to you as the one who provides, the one who cares for us. Father, please help us to live our lives for your kingdom and to trust you each and every day. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.